What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, Matt. Hey, Trisha. Hey, uh, I'm just going to remind you during this episode uh, every once in a while that I'm a time master. <laughs> Lest we forget. Lest we forget, as Rip reminds us many times in this episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the very first, technically, episode Woo. of uh, Always Hold On to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, or as I will periodically refer to it, a hot declot. A hot declot. Okay. <laughs> I've been typing it a lot, but I haven't I actually it attempted it out loud. I think I've only ever told you in text that I'm going to call it a hot declot and never actually said it out loud. You know what? I, I've had a hot... And then I think I've been like thinking of it as DC lot. Like clot nope. is a whole the clot is like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. I'm not sure. Well, sorry. There's no going back now. Okay. Well, called. you can see the division within the ranks already here, folks. Yeah. It's already terrible. Um, hey, who are this you? It's just going down. Uh, my name is Trisha Ennis. Uh, and I'm Matt Truex. We're your humble hosts. We really I, are. I'm, I'm so excited. We only have known each other for like a year and a half ish roughly i have no idea when we recorded your uh your podcast over there i believe we we first recorded together for the um the first wedding of lois and clark for we did my, wedding the first my former podcast um and and instantly went on a charmed tangent for 10 minutes so much so that we're <laughs> like okay so we're just gonna do a charmed episode one day right and and you know <laughs> then we did snowballed from there yeah <laughs> but we've been talking about this podcast for so long and I, i'm just so i'm so excited to jump into it with you and such weird episodes it is we are starting so um as you probably know from listening to our episode zero um we are not going to be going in order with these these episodes, we're going to be jumping around the series a lot, and we'll probably talk a lot about why in this episode because <laughs> this is the beginning up. of the weirdness. Um, but we are starting with the pilot episode, and we will end with the series finale. Um, but we'll jump around in between, um, partially because this episode is is rough. This this pilot episodes is is rough going for the show that we love love so much. Yes, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pilot, part one and two. Uh, directed, both of them, by Glenn Winter, who, who had, you know, come up in the ranks in the Arrowverse already. Written by fucking everyone. Written by uh, part one, uh, Greg Berlanti and Mark Guggenheim and Andrew Kreisberg and Phil Klemmer. And then the second one is the same names, but literally in reverse. So uh, we had talked about it, but you thought that Phil Klemmer guess, My guess is that Klemmer is the one who actually did the bulk of the writing, just because the other three are like helming the whole Arrowverse. Right. Like, but, but they're involved in Absolutely. doing their passes and maybe breaking the story together. Like, who knows? Originally aired January 21st, 2016 and the 28th. I became obsessed with tracking ratings oh. on my old podcast. So I will be doing that here. Okay. Uh, premieres to 3.21 million viewers. They would kill for that by the end of the series. They would. But, um, but I would say the people who stuck around uh, are the real heroes. <laughs> I couldn't agree. With, hey, here we are. Um, it instantly drops in part two, by the way, to 2.89 million. So, you know, it, it goes down from there. But we can track that as we go. Were you watching when it first aired? I was. Yes, absolutely. Same here. I had kind of remembered it airing on the same night. But, like, I, I know I wouldn't have sat on part one to wait for part two. So I guess I watched it a week apart. But uh, Yeah, so this is this is early days of the Arrowverse. You know, it was a new show for me to watch. Um this isn't pre-Supergirl. This is just after Supergirl started. This was mid-season that year. Mm-hmm. So we had gotten Arrow, and then we got The Flash, and then we got Supergirl. Supergirl on a totally different network, completely separate from all of this other stuff. Right. And then we got this spinoff of every show except Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, we hadn't every even had two. the Supergirl crossover yet with Flash, no. right? Yeah. We we hadn't yet, because that was late in the first season for Supergirl. I think that was like episode yes. 17 or something. Yes. Um, so that was later. And, uh, and yeah, they... Um, that crossover hadn't happened yet. They hadn't established that, like, they even technically existed in the same, like, multiverse, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, we yeah. first see her in the Earth 2 Flash episode when he's going through the the um, Time Force, uh, Speed Force, excuse me. Super? I think. Yeah, we see, like, a flash of her real quick. I don't remember seeing a flash of her, but I, I, will, think, I will believe you. <laughs> I, I think, because I think I got excited of like, oh shit, they're going to do it, you know? Like, oh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, the Supergirl crossover was him just running too fast. Um, but yeah, right. so this was, this was all new. This was like a totally different concept. It was established characters already. I didn't care about anyone except Sarah <laughs> going into this. What about you? See, like, I, and... and f- Listeners, forgive us if we're repeating stuff from episode one, but the pilot, the first couple episodes of the pilot, right? In TV yeah. talk. Um, I 
get I didn't care about Arrow at this point. I really didn't. I've, I I still I'd, did for a couple more months. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought Sarah was was cool. Like I knew of all these people, but like you know, in the way that we as DC fans will like keep an eye on things, even though mm-hmm. if we're not totally watching them. Um, I was in love with the Flash. And everything that represented. I'm also a huge Superman Returns fan, so I did peek in for the Brandon Routh stuff and was like really excited to have basically like um, it, this could have been the Snart and um, Ray Palmer show, and I would have been totally happy to start with. See, um, if it had been the Snart and Ray Palmer show, I probably wouldn't have watched. <laughs> oh, and Victor Garber, by the way, like the the Firestorm thing. I like Jax as they introduced him and whatnot. Um, I'm also a huge like. Hawk Girl fan from the animated series from mm-hmm. Justice League the animated series, um, so I was like really excited to see where this went, and obviously this spun off the kind of crossover earlier on this year. So I I was excited, um, but I knew early on this was a big pill to swallow. Just this yeah. whole series in general, the amount of exposition we're gonna get into in a second is just like fucking insurmountable i mean Um, why don't we just get into that because i think one of the things that i noted in rewatching this pilot so when i when i rewatch the show i don't i do not start at the pilot usually i start midway through season three um with the uh bebo god of war um, (laughs) which is when i think the show really kicks off when it really understands what it's doing and also we get the sarah and ava relationship which is like my Mm -hmm. reason for being um so (laughs) So this is not a show. Another reason we're I, not going chronologically, by the yeah, way, we don't want to wa- wait like two years of podcast time to get to that show. To get to get to me and my reason for being. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so I don't I don't rewatch the pilot often. So I've probably watched it like this is maybe my third or fourth time watching. Same. The pilot. Like yeah. maybe. Whereas I've watched like the later seasons many times. Mm. Um, I can probably quote parts of Bebo the God of War. Um, <laughs> Other than the Bebo parts. But going back in and rewatching it, I had forgotten, like, it's it's a big task for these writers to introduce or reintroduce all of these characters. Because they have yes. to assume that people aren't necessarily watching Arrow and Flash. Although, why you would be watching this show without having previously watched those, I don't know. I don't know, like, what the What the hell are is. you doing here? Yeah. Right. I don't know what the draw is. Um, you know, so, so they have to reintroduce all these characters. And, man, these introductions are rough. I know. They're I so know. rough. They're so stilted. And it's like with characters we love, we grow to love anyway. I know. But like this whole, and, and it's why like I remember watching this pilot and um, I was living with a girlfriend at the time who like she and I loved the first season of The Flash, you know? And I was, you know, we watched the crossover. I'm like, will you watch this with me? And she's like, absolutely not. Like that was <laughs> dumb. I'm like, it come on, it'll be great. It's the same thing. And then you get five minutes into this pilot and you're like, oh, fuck, it's dumb. You know? <laughs> right. It's like, so first of all, we're dropped into this idea of, of Rip Hunter, who we do not know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's like super serious time mastery stuff. We start with like the killing of a child. And I'm like, yeah. it's so funny to see this show start there and just know what it becomes. You know? Like, yeah, exactly. Like it starts with the, the murder of Rip's uh, wife and son. And then it goes mm-hmm. into like him giving his big speech to the time masters. And it's like all of the stuff that we don't know anything about. They're just yes. dropping us into like big lore. It's not like and it's, flash it's and arrow so, lore. It's like big lore. It's like so geeky to begin with. Like Caesar, Hitler, Pedagaton. Yes. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. You know? Like it's not necessarily bad. And nothing no. about the first season, in my opinion, is bad. It's just really thin. Mm-hmm. But this this first episode, like if you are judging whether or not you're going to keep watching the show by the first five minutes, 
you're probably not watching the yes. show because Agreed. it's just it's that it's that monologue and then it's like and then rip steals the wave rider and then it's like we need to pick up our eight passengers and then it like goes one by one <laughs> which we these... should talk about like the best of these intros in a second yeah, but like yeah, yeah. i couldn't agree with you more and it's just like that's why the whole idea of the series initially for me i was like it you know I loved the Birds of Prey series. We see differently on this, and that's well. Fine. Birds of Prey series, I love it. It's so bad, but I love it. Okay, we're we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna come together across the aisle on this <laughs> and and show some solidarity. Um, but like wh- when they were talking about it, and when you watch this pilot, it's just like you can't possibly be getting new viewers with this specific pilot. I think in later versions of the show, you can argue that you can pick up new people. Um, yeah. as Tumblr has, has proven us. But like with this, it's like you're just picking the nerdiest bones from the audiences you already have with Flash and Arrow. So it just felt like a ratings disaster mm-hmm. to begin with. Or, like you know, ratings minefield, let's say. Definitely a ratings minefield. I mean, it's a big swing. It's And I thought it was a weird choice. I mean, we talked about this in, in our episode zero. Yeah. You know how, like, this is just kind of a weird choice of, like, people to put into the thing, of a show to do in general. Like, I wanted a Birds of Prey show, but at least they gave me more Sarah. Um, but then, like, you know, they, they have this, like, the tone in this episode is so serious. And it's, like, that's the Dire tone. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the tone in the whole first season. Yes. That said, while we're talking about these things that we don't like about the tone overall, I think what these two episodes do do really well is what they talk about when they, like, were pitching the series to begin with especially like in the press was like it's gonna feel like a movie it's gonna feel like our crossovers all the time and like all the fights and like even the infighting with the team like i think that stuff really does hit well when they're taking on vandals you know um estate later on in episode two mm-hmm. i'm like this is fucking rad like y- you see yeah a- anytime there, there was a shot in episode one where like it's in the cargo bay of the Wave Rider, and Firestorm forms as the Atom flies off past them. And I'm like, fucking awesome. You know, like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that they, this is a, a really weird ragtag group of people, but I think that they picked the people really well. Like, they all have great chemistry together. They, you know, they work, they bounce off each other really well. I think that it's fun to see sort of like, you know, the D&D alignment chart <laughs> like, yes. just in all of these different characters. Because you've got Ray, who is like, you know, the you know the stalwart hero. He basically is Superman. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, your actual criminals in um, in Mick and, and Snart. And then you've got Sarah, who's like so much in between. So like she falls immediately in with the criminals, like literally immediately right. in these episodes. Right. They're all hanging out, getting drinks or whatever. Which but is like so fun. <laughs> but like she can also hang with the heroes, yep. like in in interesting ways. And I I I just and this will be obvious throughout the the this whole podcast over however long we do this. But uh, like I think that Sarah is such an interesting character, and they really like she's she's already really complex and interesting just in this introduction to her that we get. At least not the original introduction. The initial introduction with her in like the bar or whatever is very weird. Like Tibet <laughs> yeah. being like Mary and Ravenwood. And, and, and then it like, yeah. so he picks her up and then she goes back in Star City and like nothing happened. Um, right, right. But yeah. Great coat though. Killer <laughs> coat. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like these introductions are so serious and the show does not need to be serious. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't figure that out for a while, which is too bad. But it's not right. bad necessarily. I do think that it also like hangs a lot of the this story in in particular is like 
I'm going to pick you up and tell you we have to save a timeline that doesn't matter to you and doesn't matter to the audience. You're also going to save my family, who you don't care about outside of the fact that you watched my son right. die the first two minutes of this of this episode. And also, like, the the main emotional core of the show is these two hawk people that you don't know. Unless you watch those those episodes and 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 you know happen to jump in, but you still haven't spent the time with them right. that you have with you haven't Ray or or even fucking Firestorm at this point. Exactly, like you haven't spent time with these characters, like these the Hawk people, which I'm going to keep calling the Hawk people, even though yeah. I do know who they are. It's, um, it's all my notes too. It's because fine. you haven't <laughs> you haven't spent the time with these characters to really care that like the first person we meet in the past is their son. Right. Like it's really on them to sort of make you care and. I think that that she does a good job. Obviously, he doesn't have to because he dies immediately. But you know. <laughs> um, you're saying she's um, is it Sierra? Yes, Sierra. I believe so. Yeah. yeah, I I she's got some great stuff in this. And like I remember people making fun at the time of like, oh, she used to be a barista. Did you know? I'm like, shut up. They've got to get through like all this this backstory all the time. And like she I also think literally she is, was like, a barista. <laughs> Yes. Like in the show, like she, um, that's her, the last thing she did was she was making coffee and flirting with Cisco. Exactly. And all of a sudden you're exactly. a reincarnated priestess from ancient Egypt. Like, And then you happen to be in a crossover episode and sorry girl, <laughs> but your life changed. But yeah, I think she's awesome. There's that scene. We're just jumping all over the fucking place. We will do the intros in a second, but there's the scene later on after she saw Carter die and like she's doing badly after the fight and she's just like mm-hmm. it's just her and Rip and, and Ray is there but it's really between her and Rip and she's just like I didn't I didn't get to tell him I remember everything I didn't get to tell him and she's you know like really freaking out before the the sedative kicks in from Gideon and and Rip is like taking it in for a second of like look what you've done to these people like I loved that moment I yeah. thought it really hit well yeah, I, I do too. I think it hits very well. I think it's, you know, it's just it's just a lot of weird. It this the show is just such a bizarre concept and such a bizarre yeah. like construction mm-hmm. to try to get both old old. It's only the Arrowverse is only a couple of years old at this point. Yeah, I know. To get like OG Arrow fans, and then also to sort of like they the Arrowverse at this point also has only sort of been trying to do the happy good stuff. So mm-hmm. like they're and you can tell from this intro where like the only only one of the arrow or flash that shows up is the is green arrow is is oliver so like i mean and then of course laurel but it's it's arrow characters so like right. I, it feels very much like it's you know saying you know everybody loves arrow so this is going to be arrow serious which was interesting to me because i feel like so much of this tone really comes from the flash really comes from the fact that they got to lighten things up and and you know uh, even Oliver gets to be a little bit lighter with with Barry around and that type of thing. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe this is also someone that was not really watching Arrow at the time and was kind of checked out with the tone of that show um, just after season one. But um, yeah, it's it, it, it's interesting. Should we should we get into fucking intros here? Let's get into the intros. Okay, <laughs> Stop cool. Going off on tangents. First off, <laughs> we have we have Ray Palmer, the Adam. Um, I think this is just fun that we get to show him a tiny to begin with. And he's yep. working with Oliver. Like he, he gets the cameo. Yeah. Oliver gets the cameo. These lines for him are just phoned in. This is not the best acting we've seen from Stephen Amell. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I don't know if it's the writing or if it's him, but it's, it's so stilted and like 
cheesy. It's like, almost like he's reading ad copy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. He's a little bit better when he's actually got like Brandon Routh to play off of. But um, not yeah, that he, much better. <laughs> not that much better. I agree with you. Um, I was surprised Grant wasn't in this at all. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm, I'm also surprised that Barry doesn't show up at all. But I don't know. Maybe they decided that like he was already going to pull double duty later in the season with the Supergirl crossover. So maybe yeah, they gave him maybe, the time maybe. off. Who who knows? But I'm sure that was in the works already too. Um, all right. After after the Adam, we get Sarah, which we've kind mm-hmm. of talked about, but like a bit of a nothing. The formerly dead assassin. Yes, hanging out in some bar in Tibet <laughs> for no fucking reason. Yep. Where was the last time we had seen her in Arrow? Had we left her in Nanda Parbat, or did she come back to Star City? She had been like they were at. She had died. <laughs> And then right. Laurel <laughs> yes. stuck her in the Lazarus pit and brought her back. And then she mm-hmm. was feral for a while. And then Constantine and then brought Constantine. her soul back. And then yeah. she discovered this whole thing with her bloodlust. So now she's just sort of like dealing with her bloodlust. Because the only way to fix the bloodlust is to kill the person that killed you. And that's... She can't do that because that's Thea. Thea. Right. Okay. I'm still gesturing wildly. also has wildly. a bloodlust thing. <laughs> right. Right. Because the person that killed her was... Uh, Ra's al Ghul and her brother killed Ra's al Ghul. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. The whole uh, thing with Sarah at this point is already interesting if you watch the show um, where she's got this this bloodlust that she's dealing with and, and she talks about it in her conversation with Laurel, which is technically not in her intro, but that she finds herself dangerous. And so this is sort of her like trying to find a way to get away from her problems. Right. Come back and come back to the world a little bit. Right. Like, yeah. You know, you'll do it in the light now. You're the white canary. Blah, blah. Right. Oh, God. The white canary stuff. <sighs> yeah. That's the clunkiest bit of this all to me. Well, um, it's also very much like they're just trying to find something else to call her besides black canary because you can't have two black canaries. Right. So they just like grabbed a random name from the comics and the white canary is not even really a character in the comics. Like she appears once. And then there was like racism accusations because I yeah, guess she was an Asian character in the comic. I haven't read anything. Yeah, the, the original character about. is is an Asian woman, and she like runs a like a crime, evil assassin mm. group thing. But she only shows up for like one very short arc in the Birds of Prey comics, and then she's just gone. And I think they just sort of saw that there was a character called that, and like this works. Yeah, and like it does. She's absolutely not that character. She's just taking the name. And not unlike the Wave Rider, where it's like, there's this obscure-ass character called Wave Rider that Rip worked with, so let's do that. Right. Yeah, okay. Who's next? I don't know. Who did come up next? It wasn't... Oh, oh uh, it, Firestorm? Firestorm? Yeah. yeah. So Firestorm is next. So this is, you know, the newly reconstituted Firestorm, yes. uh, which they do not get into at all in the show. They don't talk about the fact that Jax is the second person. No, I guess, I, you know, there's enough fucking shit to get through <laughs> Because, like, Ronnie's dead. I do love... I went back and read some quotes last night about, mm-hmm. like, as it, this was gearing up and when people were announced and whatnot. And they announced Victor Garber and they didn't announce him, but it was very much a, like, well, you'll see why, <laughs> you know? Um. So, yeah, this is, you know, Ronnie's dead because he... They flew up and did the thing. And then um, and then mm-hmm. they, they introduced Jax because of this show. Like, I don't think they would have cared about bringing on a second second firestorm beyond this like he gets introduced on flash like go and find him or whatever and then and now he's on this um and i do like this combination as opposed to the the ronnie stein one because like ronnie and stein were so similar Mm -hmm. um and also you can't like have them both leaving their wives um so instead it's Jax who's so diametrically different you know yeah no i i love that i love these two characters um i was surprised that like oh i guess they're out 
fucking doing hero shit here randomly. Like I, I didn't, I forgot that like, I guess after they reformed on the flash, they, they were heroes together. You know, it, it seems like not a big jump from doing this stuff to traveling through time, but, but Jack seems to think so. Right. But also at the same time, like the flash kind of didn't necessarily leave it as them going off and doing hero stuff. Like they were just sort of going to like show up and form so that they could like equalize each other's nuclear reaction or whatever right. and then just like screw off but then now it's like yeah they're doing hero stuff because i guess why not do hero stuff hmm. yeah uh, same thing with the hawks here where I, I don't remember them being established as that but like they're saving someone who gets an, an 80 yard thank you yeah from, uh, <laughs> to hawk yeah exactly i think they were they were f- trying to find a way to introduce them as their superhero counterparts yeah i guess that so, like you're sense. seeing all of them in their suits you're seeing all of them like as these people that they are rather than seeing them just sort of like arguing in the apartment right or seeing you know like so we we introduce them in their suits we introduce them as heroes as like the cool thing and then we're mm-hmm. gonna go later to them as like humans who fight with each other not to mention who's got time to go get Carter, go get Kendra, go get Jax, go get Stein, you know? Like, yeah, we got to do these. We got to do this quickly. We're already introducing if, all of these people. We're doing them in duos wherever possible. Yeah, if they're, if they're friends, let's do this. Um, mm-hmm. Bring us to, to the very end here with Mick and Snart. Yeah, with the you have to be kidding. These people are criminals. I fucking love this. Also, shout out to them. Gideon for having a different voice. Okay. It's the same actress, but she does speak differently than she does later in the show. She does, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's putting on a thing here. She's doing, like, a... Um, she's speaking almost slower and less, like, robotic. Like, she really goes for, I am an artificial intelligence later on. Yeah. Whereas yeah, in this, she's I, a little it, more relaxed. But it also feels like... I, I'm realizing I, d- I don't know, I guess, what Amy's real voice is, but I assumed as the series went on, she got closer to her actual voice because they were like, we're going to start throwing you in here and there. I mean, it, it is her real accent and her real voice. I don't know exactly how she sounds. I haven't, I don't think I've seen a lot of interviews with her. Yeah, same. But we'll but have but to I mean, get her on the show. <laughs> but I mean, she doesn't do a, a ton of like craziness with her voice. I don't think. I think she just sort of establishes the Gideon sound throughout the first season and then it's just normal because mm-hmm. that's the first thing that struck me when she started talking for the first time was like oh she sounds a little different than normal uh, right still obviously her but just like she hadn't like figured out what Gideon sounded like yet so smart of them by the way to go with a new Gideon and not get Morena yes um, who's been doing it on the flash for years and just like because then it's just you can do whatever you want with your Gideon and obviously she becomes a, a regular by the end so that's and that's then and this is also like it this also establishes the idea that like Gideon doesn't have to have the same voice because when we do uh, Crisis on Earth X, it's Moira Queen. Right. Um, right. So like, you know, in different iterations of Gideon has different a different voice. So like the the one that was Miranda Baccarin is the iteration that was Eobard Thon's version. Right. Whereas this is like the Time Master version, or this is the um, the Rip Hunter version because there I think there is another Gideon that's a dude later on. Well, there's, um, there's Leonard from Earth whatever oh, in right? Crisis. Right, that too. I forgot about the snart version. But that's almost implied that, like, I think Mick says one of us died. And my thought was always, like, oh, he kind of programmed their Gideon to be Leonard. Right, well, I felt the same way about the, the Earth-X one. That, the like, Moira one? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that, that Oliver sense. programmed to sound On like the Quellen writer? So, yeah, so like you, you know, it make it makes you wonder like, is this Gideon voice something important to Rip? Like, it's not his wife, but because uh, we do meet her oh, like man. for reals yeah, okay. later. 
but um but yeah, like is it someone else or is she just like the default personality i don't know yeah it, we'll have to check the factory settings on gideon one day i would love to know the lot like rip's logic and pulling these people other than like that these are the people you have because like, like what makes him i guess right like does does he postulate that like i'm gonna need a couple of criminals and an assassin and this smart guy and this other smart guy and his sidekick yeah i can't speak for everyone i always got the logic of like we need a killer we need smart people and we need well i guess hold on okay i we need a smart i mean it's people. it's basically it's basically once again the D D logic of like we need a wizard yeah. a cleric as I'm looking at it, I'm like, it does kind of make sense if you want it to. I always, what I was going to say is like, I always like the Ocean's Eleven idea of like, we need a grease man. We need a tech guy. We need a whatever. Like, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of gets, um, that type of talk quickly gets you to understand why uh, Snart and, and Rory are here. Where it's just like, we're going throughout time. We need people that can like infiltrate and know what the fuck they're doing to steal shit. Like that always makes, that always made sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it definitely works, certainly. And, of course, yeah. they're writing to these characters that they have. And it's very much a, you know, we really like these guys. We can't put them in every episode of The Flash. So, instead, we're going to put them on this show. Right. Um, and have them do, you know, morally questionable stuff um, for for good reasons, I guess. Um, some of them for just a little bit. Some of them for years and years. We'll yes. see. <laughs> some of them for one season. But, you know, so, so yeah, those are those are all of our people. And, like... They're all coming from these interesting perspectives and then they show up and you got to help save the future. Yeah, we, we get our real rooftop scene, not like the one we talked about last time. <laughs> yes, the actual, with uh, the same introduction line for Rip. I forgot it was the same. It's the same line. The I'm from East London from and East the London. future. He does deliver it much better in the actual show. Yes, I think because it's, you know, they're trying, you know, on the show. But We're eight minutes in and we first get the word legends. We do. We first you you are going to be legends in the future. That's that's who you are. Of course, a big fat lie. Yeah. As yeah, we yeah, find yeah. out at the end of the first episode, we find out that it's a big fat lie. He's laying it on thick here too to begin with. Like out of all the people who ever lived, I chose you eight. I hope you won't let me and the world down. I do find Fuck it funny you. that like out of all the people that ever lived, I chose you eight that exist at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to jump Fair around point. in history to get you. He didn't like I go back at in the time. Justice Society, but decided no, they're fine. And <laughs> he didn't like go back in time. A, yeah, get the Justice Society, or B, like go and get a different version of Carter and Kendra that like knows who they are and how to use their powers. <laughs> Who've already like figured this shit out and like had a shot at them once, but we know what to do this time. Yeah, right, exactly. He gets this version of them uh, that don't know what's going on. <laughs> It's sad to think if we're going to follow some logic here that like, are these your best bet of, of Carter and Kendra? Because like it, it's been millennia and they never got closer than they are here. This sucks. I mean, I guess when you consider that, like, you know, they they've gotten kind of close this time and the other yeah. times it doesn't seem like they got close at all. Um, you know, going to chalk a lot of that up to Barry and Oliver, though, going to be <laughs> honest, which which Kendra does does do. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then so that's the other thing um so we're gonna start jumping around in the plot a bit i think yes but please yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. other thing is like that, if, that's a thing too folks like w- this will not be a beat by beat podcast right. for the most part we are not doing beat by beat retelling um, it's story. gonna be a mess for this one because it's a two-parter but in general i think it'll be a lot more easier to just cover like what was the main story what was rick or mick up to you know that right type of thing. um so you know they one of the things that they establish pretty quickly in in this episode like right in this rooftop scene is the fact that like it it has to be one of them delivering the the kill blow. Yes. Right? I like that. They have to be one of the ones that that kills Vandal Savage. And that's fine. But then like later on, so in the next episode, there's additional rules. There are so I many know. rules <laughs> for how to ass. kill Vandal Savage cuz like he like Carter stabs him with the blade, but because it wasn't his blade, it doesn't she, he can't wield it she has to be the one to Tough wield it and like noogies yep what and like why does he know that i don't know there's i've the, mm, the vandal savage story is not good um Let, let's talk about that there's so many roles i like the actor a lot i think he does a great job throughout all of this i think um, they try to like with everything i think they're trying to make him too serious because when he shows up as like yes. a funny thing later it's great in when he's in hell when he's in hell yeah yes <laughs> Turns out hell really mellowed him out. <laughs> By all accounts, he's a, a Casper something. Forgive me. First episode. We'll get the names. Um, By all accounts, like just the sweetest guy who just like the minute they yelled action was like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. He's worse than Perdegaton. Um, Perdegaton, of course. Oh, my God. Could you imagine something worse than Perdegaton? The deep cuts in this show, too. Like <laughs> And the fact that we fucking meet him later on, like this, this Predigata? is what I was, yeah. I was um, thinking about when I was watching this. I, I was listening to Kevin Smith a lot back in the day when mm-hmm. this was on. And I think he said it where it was just like, this is the most fucking DC thing that's ever DC'd. And in many ways it really is. And it became it really its own thing. Um, but even later on, like, I feel like some hardcore, like Hellblazer fans weren't into what they did with Constantine. But I'm like, they don't miss a note with Constantine, you know. Like they really this don't. day is, though they get away from the the like um, suited up heroes thing for the most part later on. Like it is still so so into this, you know, DC universe multiverse really that like it it's such a joy as a fan to see something take that stuff and just go the total opposite way. It's it's Justice League International in that way, you know? Yeah, it, it's making these deep cut references that, like, you don't necessarily expect to come up. Um, and, like, that a lot of fans, like, I was still basically a casual DC fan. Like, I knew a lot about certain characters, but I didn't know mm-hmm. a lot about, like, I don't have deep, deep, wide-reaching knowledge of the DC universe. I have very deep, specific knowledge on certain people. But so, like, I didn't know until, like, I think one day when I was playing the DC universe online game that Per Degaton <laughs> was even, like, a real DC character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a lot of, like, I, I bet we're similar. We probably have some different um, knowledge bases with DC, but I bet mm-hmm. we're similar, especially with our, our combined Birds of Prey love for yes. various reasons. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just, it makes you want to dive into the comics more. It made me read some Hellblazer and some Constantine stuff. It made me, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think what else. It, it made me uh, investigate uh, Vixen a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and someone recommended Justice League International to me because they're like, well, you like Legends. You'll fucking love this. And they were right. right. You know, like <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah, So exactly. I love I love these these media that, that can be so deep cut that they've got you on Wikipedia and it's a gateway drug. It's right. not like 
and it's something maybe it's different for me because it's something that I love inherently where with Marvel it kind of feels like a chore after every Marvel movie of like right oh fuck who the hell was that all right having to you look know? up like, Charlize Theron's character in the post credit scene yeah, of the second exactly Doctor Strange what I was thinking of. <laughs> and there's uh, to be clear there's no difference but it's just I I go to DC church so that's right. that's why this is this goes down a lot easier and is more exciting this is me. where I live um right yeah exactly and so like the Vandal Savage stuff you know it's and I will say this: if you strip this first season down to just the Vandal Savage storyline, and not mm-hmm. all of the extra stuff, that storyline is actually not bad. I agree. It's it's the bopping around in time trying to fill out sixteen episodes. Yes, that that definitely we- becomes a problem because this story, unlike what they do in the future, unlike sort of the show, essentially becomes a series of fetch quests. Yeah, like starting with season two, from- it's like we need to find the pieces of the Spear of Destiny, and then season three is and we find the totems. And totems and, right, yeah. like so, it's like it's all of this. It just becomes a series of fetch quests, and that does really work for something like this, where you're jumping around in time trying to like gather the pieces. And then you can you can focus more on the adventures at hand than like the horrible thing that you're trying to stop from happening. So like the Vandal Savage storyline on its own, if you just single out those episodes, is pretty good. Um, but it's like six of sixteen episodes. Yeah, I agree with you. Like if if you strip it down to to the movie of it, the 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 you know, Legends vs. Vandal Savage movie, it totally mm-hmm. works. But it's also helpful, I think, for the show, ultimately, that they had those episodes where they're bopping around history and, and, and you're getting a flavor of what that's like because that is obviously kind of the crutch that they lean on. Right. I don't say crutch in a bad way, by the way. Like, I love that about the show. No, obviously, I do that's too. That's why we're here. I mean... Um, but it's a good way to establish that and it gives them a, a heading... Uh, more or less, or at least like a structure for episodes and, and understanding what episodes can be after mm-hmm. we deal with Vandal Savage, after he's dead in the ground. You know? Right. No, I, I totally agree with you. Like, and I'm not saying that the, the episodes where they're bouncing around in time are bad. It's just that mm. like the episodes where they're bouncing around in time feel like they're spinning their wheels because like yeah, that's they're fair. talking about the Vandal Savage thing while also doing other stuff. Like my favorite episode in this whole season is the one where they're back in the 50s. Um, yes, great episode. Like that one's weird great. episode. It's yeah. a very weird episode, but it's great. There's great Sarah stuff in it. That's 100% the metric by which I judge episodes. And <laughs> you know, there's really good stuff in that episode, and and in the set, the one after it because it's a two parter. Um, mm-hmm. Technically, it's like a one and a halfer. Um, that that are really good. That show you sort of like what the show could be if it got divorced from the Vandal Savage thing. But that storyline is still there, so it's sort of dragging all of these other plots down. Yeah, agree. With the weight of it all. But the Vandal Savage story by itself is still good. So I think that's the problem with this first season. Yes. And and like you were saying later, when it becomes the fetch quest, it's a little more divorced from the plot where like it doesn't feel like a complete distraction when they have to go deal with a haunted doll or whatever, you know, like whatever the case may be, like it gives them more wiggle room. This is very interesting to see here. Again, I I don't want to feel like we're coming on too hard. For these episodes, no. obviously, I think a lot of people have strong opinions one way or another of season one. Uh, but obviously, we're starting this podcast for a reason because we fucking love this show. Absolutely, yeah. And there's still shit to, to love in these episodes, too. Um, for for one thing, I, I love that the first time travel that they do uh, as a team when once everybody's finally on the mm-hmm. Wave Rider is to... Um, I'm going to try to say it right. St. Saint, Roque? St. Roque, New Orleans? Uh-huh. It was a word that I'd only ever read in Hawkman comic books and I always thought it was like St. Roche, 
but or Roach, but basically they go to this place that is that is kind of in the comics important to the Hawk people, and they meet the Boardmans, and they get to do the seventies. And by the yeah. way, get some I assume expensive needle drops for the seventies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean the. I like that they decided to go to the 70s because it gives them that ability to do sort of like the Hawk People stuff and also to give us like young Stein and to have us interacting with a younger version of one of the characters and um, and to sort of like I, I think once the story gets going, once it's like out of this really terrible introduction section um you know i think that once, <laughs> once it gets we're done going, drugging jacks and that type right. of thing, yeah once we're done with all that crap and we actually are in the 70s and it's going it's very good these are all characters that work very well together they're all actors that work very well together and and it does work and especially putting it in the 70s like it gets to you get to put them in fun clothes you get to you know do some fun stuff um with stein you know you show them sort of in and out of their elements and and doing interesting things and, you know, seeing Young Stein. The, I mean, the fact that we get Young Stein for the first time in the first episode, I think is hilarious because, like, he comes back so many times. The bringer of Bebo with this guy. Like, he's yeah, so he is. He's so important. <laughs> he is the bringer of Bebo. He will be called that from now on. Um, <laughs> although it is funny that he keeps popping up, like, throughout his own history. It never looks more like Victor Garber. Um, <laughs> ah, don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we get this this interesting story and this, you know, this fun stuff out of it that I think works works very well. You get, you know, Stein hitting on Sarah and um, and all that. Oh, the best. Smoking and, and- pot. I was going to say, smoking pot, like, drugs are such a big part of this show. <laughs> and really I'm like, are. oh, that, I, I don't even remember how much pot there was in these first couple episodes. But I'm like, great. you know. I mean, it goes right away in. for a while. It goes away for a while until we yes, introduce, like, yeah. a full-on stoner character. Well, <laughs> nobody wants to be stoned when they're going up against Vandal Savage. You know, like, Except that's Sarah. not a time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> she does great. Against the Rent-A-Cops from 1978 or whatever she says. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, there's those those little elements that I, I loved here, too. I was the bad person for bringing up the 70s. Can we talk about the Wave Rider for just a second? Sure. I It is no surprise to anyone that's listened to previous podcasts I've done, but like I, I know I like a thing when I am emotionally obsessed with it and I am aesthetically <laughs> obsessed with it. Uh-huh. And this show is something I've been aesthetically obsessed with for the past what eight years now that it's you know since it premiered mm-hmm. um one of the things i love is this is the wave rider and watching it again here i'm like it's such a bummer how we meet it like it's not you know they, they go to the dockyard and rip appears like walks out out of nowhere basically to mm-hmm. them all and reveals the ship and it's not like it's even all in frame and it's just kind of blocky in a weird angle and it's just like not a great intro to the thing. Like, I want it to be the way we meet Serenity and the Firefly pilot, yeah. where it's just like, you see the whole thing, you get the thing, you maybe do a walkthrough of the ship, but, like, they never really lay it out exactly. Like, like I could probably walk through Serenity right now, blindfold, and I haven't watched that show in, like, 10 years, you know? But I, well, I, I mean, don't know if anyone could get their way through the Wave Rider, you know? Could you? Because, you know, TV magic means there's one hallway <laughs> just repeat yeah exactly Uh, and one room that they redress all the time i remember the first time i was like on a set that was a spaceship and they were like yeah so here are the three rooms that we use for this entire ship and i was like oh Oh, i'm sorry what is your cool set spaceship story oh um so did you ever watch dark matter on oh, sci-fi? No, I, I, but I've seen some of the like sets and stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah, so the the Raza is the the ship, and that was the one that I got to tour because I was on Sci-Fi did an after show, 
um and they they brought me on to be one of the like fan experts um doing the after show so every time you tell me something that you guys do from work i'm like fuck (laughs) you that's so cool yeah i got to spend a couple of days in canada and uh and you know tour the set and go around and and you know talk to these people about the show that I really liked and it was it was fun um but yeah that was the thing it was like you know we we shot the whole after show in like the one big room that's like the cargo bay and mm-hmm. then they have the 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 cockpit slash bridge of the ship they have a hallway mm-hmm. and they have one room and then that room just gets redressed as everybody's bedroom as and I was like wow else. this is so small they have one corner that you can turn in either direction and then it's just you know repeats all over oh that's funny. Now, like, I know, I know that's how they set up the um, Wave Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But, but there's part of me that always wished that we got a little more understanding of yeah. the Wave Rider, and wish, and, and that goes to here, where it's just like, give it the intro. Like, this is home for the next seven <laughs> years, you know. Well, I do wonder, like, how much they wanted to invest in set builds. You yeah. know, like we're not Let's seeing people's quarters yet. Yeah. We're we're seeing we're seeing the the bridge. Um, with a billion seats, even though they constantly like every once in a while, they'll bring up like, you only need one person for that. So why does it have so many seats? So why, why so many <laughs> seats? Um, why is it? Why is there this elevated platform in the middle of your set, which just seems like how many cameramen fucking tripped over this throughout? Well, the, they, you know, like, I know they hated doing bridge scenes over the course of the, sh- the show because it meant a billion people's coverage. And so I'm sure has like to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you have a steady cam operator just walks into a stair, falls over. You know, so we have we have the bridge, we have the sort of like uh the entryway essentially, like the the airlock. Um and I think those are the yes. only two rooms that we see on the wave rider. Yeah, and the bridge kind of pulls double duty where you get the parlor. You yeah. get the parlor too, which is so cool. Which we spell um, with a U because our first captain was British. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just this early on. I, I, f- I forgot about early on um, bridge here with, with the chair that moves forward for the captain and the terrible table and whatnot. Like the, the, the moves they make later on mm-hmm. um, are, are much better aesthetically, but, but it's, it's fun to say it here again. Yeah, but I, um, I agree with you. They don't really establish the wave rider awesomely. Like we don't get big, wide sweeping shots of how cool it looks. And I think they probably update the CGI later in the show too, but we get a lot more of those, like those temporal zone shots and stuff. Yes. Oh, we'll talk about the ship CGI. As the the ship CGI. <laughs> Probably in the next episode when we're suddenly in season seven. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to roll at the end of the episode. Um, but what do we have to talk about here? Again, not that we're going chronologically, um, mm, but know. in, in part one, before we kind of say goodbye to it um, again, like the fact that, that, the bad guys, quote unquote, you know, uh, Snart and Rory and Sarah get to go and instantly have a bar fight and play Captain and Tennille. Like, those are the moments in these episodes where I'm like, oh, yeah, this there's the show, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, the the bar fight scene um, is is so fun because, it yeah, it's very much like you sort of see the show beneath the show, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, you see, like, what they could be doing because these actors have such great chemistry and because you can do fun stuff. Um, anytime Sarah gets to go off and, like, just punch a dude or uh, – especially because this is this is the early stuff, so this is pre-Ava. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's Sarah flirting with every woman throughout history. She's a horn dog Sarah. Yeah, just Seriously. She flirts with every single woman and, like – but, like, sleeps with specific men, which I think is very mm-hmm. funny. Like, she barely mm-hmm. flirts with men at all through history. But – yeah, so like you know, flirting with the dude's girlfriend and then getting into the bar fight with a bunch of dudes and then like I I also like that 
um, that Snart and, and Rory are like, all right, we'll just stand back here until you need us. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no worry that she can handle herself. You know, like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. So the bar fight is very much like the bar fight and also the arms deal. Yes. The whole auction where, like, especially, like, walking in where Stein, like, all of a sudden becomes a badass for five seconds mm-hmm. and, like, just starts listing terrorist attacks in the 70s or whatever. Like, that's also very much, like, what the show could be when it's not trying to be serious. I think that that's the other thing that the the season, the first season, like, really struggles to balance is the humor that these people are capable of and the seriousness yes. of the situation. Because, like, it's an <laughs> apocalyptic event, but it's also, like, you know, time Hitler. Yeah, exactly. And, like... It- but there is there is a steady line for me from this Stein doing this to the one that sings Deo to distract all of Mission Control <laughs> Absolutely. during the Apollo mission. You know, <laughs> like. there is definitely a big difference between, and that's that's season two. Um, a credit to the four writers that put these shows together, but like they, they were trying to like let let's let's stretch it a little bit, even in these first two episodes, you know. Right, exactly. Like they they're able to to stretch out and do some some fun and interesting stuff that like they weren't really able to do in their previous incarnations. Like, when was Sarah really funny on right. Arrow? Um, you know, right. she's she's got some levity to her, but like only a little bit, and and it's not this kind where she's like, you know flirting with someone and then getting into a bar fight um or the whole stuff with with young stein um <laughs> you know that stuff is was very much missing and, and we got to see these new versions of these characters and so i mean in putting together the show they did such an excellent job creating something that could be great i just don't think they did as great a job as like capturing what that greatness could be yeah yeah i i, I can't like i do not envy them they, they had so many masters to juggle here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so many I- initiatives, but it's, uh, I, I, sorry, I keep like recapping, but like, yeah, that it, yeah. it's, it's impressive to watch. Uh, and again, like right after this, we go into like a big space fight with fucking Kronos who mm-hmm. looks like Boba Fett. And I do and, think we need to briefly talk about Kronos because okay. I, like he also what, what appears have to right say away. About He's yes. so weird. Um, and like knowing who he is, now like watching the pilot having like knowing that he's yeah. like future rory who's been time tortured or whatever um <laughs> time is interesting but like it's also just like oh so there's also this other thing which right. i so this, i don't know how well on Kronos top of works. the other things yeah like so we're all we've already got this like this to-do list of like defeat vandal savage you know save the future situation and then we've got but then we like suddenly throw in chronos and it's like oh but there's also this time bounty hunter chasing us Right. Because it turns out that Rip isn't supposed to be doing this. And he's technically he's Rip's backstory is so much the doctor and Doctor Who. And the fact that it's Arthur Darville is kind of distracting. Is it? OK, so yes. here's, here's a hole in my geekdom. I've it's watched maybe one episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. So the whole idea of the doctor is that he stole his time ship, which is the TARDIS. And mm-hmm. like is just traveling around, you know, initially outside of the purview of of you know the the time lords like he's called the time lord he travels throughout time and space he picks up random people he travels in a ship that he stole and he uh the the ship cloaks itself because could you imagine seeing this thing in you know x period sure wow yeah it's so much doctor who and like i understand that rip is a character from the comics and that the time masters are a thing from the comics but it's so much like doctor who the fact that they cast arthur darville is like really off-putting interesting he's great he really is rip is so unlikable 
but he does such a good job with him. Generally, but it's, generally the doctor's more likable, right? Yeah, the well, generally. I mean, sometimes he's surly, but you know, sure, they are surly because sure. they are sometimes a woman. But um, of course, yeah, like just the it being Arthur Darville is just hilarious because you know, relatively recent, previous to this role, he was on Doctor Who as a companion and as a totally different character, right. like just just bumbling. Ah dude um, as tenant's companion no he was matt smith's one of matt smith's, matt smith's companions see i'm yeah. i'm sorry but I'm, the, okay. I'm here to learn yeah matt smith's original companion is amy played by karen gillen of mcu fame um right and then he played her boyfriend slash fiance slash husband um okay over the course of of a couple of seasons there um I, I knew there was a Doctor Who element from him, yeah. but I, I didn't quite know where he fit in. Well, that's frankly. also because I've also explained this to you because there is a a Oops. joke on the um, the <gasps> cards to the timeline box where he yes. is covered in hash marks, and that is a Doctor Who reference um, that they right. make. You had their, to literally had spell to that out for me. Yeah, I had to explain it to you. And I didn't. I didn't realize I was going to need to explain Doctor Who when we're doing a time travel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go fucking figure out. Huh? <laughs> But um, yeah, that's like I I think Rip is is so unlikable and he never gets better. Um, but he's unlikable in a way that is <laughs> technically tolerable. Like he's just a foil to everyone else. Yeah, he's totally watchable. Absolutely. But as a, as a human, I understand. And again, I think that's why I like that Kendra scene with him later, where it's just like finally there's a moment where it's just like you have to come face to face with what you're doing to all of these people. Well, I mean, when you think about it, over the course of the, these two pilot episodes, she loses her son and the man she loves, and the thing that Rip is trying yeah. to do is get back his son and the woman he loves. So this it's like it's very much hits home for him and i think i get his motivation i really do and i he is sympathetic in that way but he's so unlikable because throughout the whole episode he's just like scolding them about like screwing up time Mm -hmm. and i think that that's one of the things that also gets better about the show is once rip is no longer just there all the time as the person in charge there's less of that scolding for screwing up the timeline and more hijinks yes totally even with the addition of the the time bureau and ava who is also there to be a scold in a lot of ways early on um there's so much because there's so much chemistry between her and sarah it it works like it's them sparring as opposed to what we get at least early on with rip and everybody else because they're not sparring with him he's just yelling at them and then they have to go fix it i i totally agree and and by then too they are already kind of like they are a team for better or worse by the yeah. time Ava comes in. So it's like she didn't stand a fucking chance to really right. people and, in. And Sarah is the leader at that point. She has a yes. more firm ground to stand on in these arguments. I do like that part of episode two here too, where like immediately mm-hmm. he's like, all right, well, we're still in the 70s and we're going to go. And this is how we're going to get the, the nuke back. And they're just like, no, fuck you. We have a plan. We'll figure it out. Like they're already kind of going off book. And I mm-hmm. do, that was another moment where I'm like, oh, there's the show, you know, where they're just going in with like half a plan and they'll figure it out. Yeah. But again, they have to get the, that sort of like leash cut in order for that to like really become the show. To really um, take off. Agree. Yeah. There's, the, it's having someone who knows too much about what's going on is almost a hindrance to the show. Mm-hmm. And they managed to keep him on the show for a while in like new and interesting ways, but. Yeah. Um, in and out. Um, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Art is one of my favorite episodes of yeah. the show, and that's that's very you know rip centric. Anything else in part one, or should we talk about the twist? Let's talk about the twist. Fucking 
killer twist. One I felt stupid not seeing coming when I first watched the show. <laughs> and and I, I was doing some research. Does kind of come from the comics. Do you know about this? I don't. So there's this comic, uh, DC comic called The Forgotten Heroes, which Rip is a part of. And the mm-hmm. whole thing is like, they are people that don't matter in the timeline. Um, most of these characters you probably haven't heard of, uh, save for Animal Man and Rick Flag of the Suicide Squad. But it's kind of the same premise where like, you know, Rip and all these other heroes go throughout time and, and you know, they come across the ancient golden pyramids and, you know, that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Vandal Savage is a part of it, who's like got a plan to destroy um, Superman and whatnot. And I'm just like, that's kind of cool. The, the name Legends of Tomorrow, I, I don't think predates this show. No, I don't uh, think so But that concept of, of at least Rip being a part of a huh. team of heroes that don't, matter essentially that's um really interesting is, actually i did is from that. the comic that's yeah. really cool um yeah i uh i i both like and hate this idea um i mean so like <laughs> i also i agree with you like i i did not see this twist coming the first time that i watched it and i think that i have that's a good nice to reason because you're a much smarter viewer than me so that's, that's <laughs> thank good. you uh-huh. um i think that you know for good reason because like in my mind these are important people yeah these are people that have mattered on the show's beforehand like they've mattered on arrow and they've mattered on the flash so like why wouldn't they matter to history at least in that sense like so are you telling me that oliver queen matters so i like this idea in in the sense that like it makes sense to me to if you're going to be running around history fighting bad guys and saving the world then you probably should be doing it with people who if they die won't like completely throw off the timeline that you're trying to preserve right Yep, totally. So, like, that makes total sense. And I also like this idea that this is something that I think they they get away from too quickly and they stay away from throughout the show. But this idea that, like, that they don't matter and all they, or at least some of them, all they want is to matter. Like, Ray especially, all he wants is to matter. Ray's stuff, yeah. And I, I get that motivation, but I feel like the lesson of the show almost should have been you don't have to matter to the timeline to matter. Because like they yeah, all matter, I like that. they all matter in some way to someone. Like literally, every one of them throughout the show is just trying to find a way to matter a little bit, mm. rather than trying to matter a big deal. And yet, the show seems to have the perspective of, you know, they do matter to the timeline because look at all the stuff they can do. You know, they save the world however many times, and they thwart destiny however many times. And then, you know, the yeah. thing that popped up for me is. You know, you don't matter to the timeline, he says, to the literal paragon of destiny and also some other people. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, they haven't done the paragon of destiny stuff yet, but, like, it's hilarious yeah. to me that Sarah is the paragon of destiny and her entire thing in this show so far is you don't matter to time. <laughs> it's who gives a shit about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is back when, when, when our Barry Allen's flash was supposed to disappear in the crisis but mm-hmm. you know a lot a lot changed as lot we learn the timeline it, it takes a while to solidify yeah it, it's know. like cement <laughs> it's like cement <laughs> so i i like the idea that they don't matter because it's something to strive for for some of them and then something that also some of them don't care about like the idea that that rory and snart don't care about themselves in history they just care about like stealing some cool stuff that's great to me um i like the idea of snart as like i want to go collect stuff yeah i like that Um, too you know we can steal the mona lisa from da vinci himself whereas like as we see later in the show like way later rory like doesn't know what a fabergé egg is (laughs) 
he really needed snart there to plan the plan you know? um it, that that aspect itself reminds me of um chronos from the justice league unlimited series where mm-hmm. he's like you know stealing the titanic and whatnot like it's, it's really fun i love what you're saying uh about the the idea of them not mattering and trying to find a way to to matter throughout the the timeline because like the, the you know like it, it reminds me of angel like if nothing we do matters then all that matters is what we do and that that's very much kind of what they find throughout the show and very much. it immediately puts them on the back foot and it's it's kind of a badge that the show wears with honor as we go on of just mm-hmm. like these are the misfits these are the kids you didn't pick in class but you know right. what they're fucking doing it too and they're doing their own shit you know like i i i i love that kind of um, rebel badge that the, the show gets to wear as we go on. You know? Right, like and these are the screw-ups. These are absolutely Right, it comes from this. It comes from the fact that you can pull, apparently, you know, Ray Palmer out of the timeline and after he's done a season on Arrow, he doesn't really matter anymore. Right, like this idea that like they don't matter in history is is funny to me, not just because like Sarah becomes the literal paragon of destiny, <laughs> but, and which we're supposed to believe that she has always been. Um that like you know the multiverse has created these paragons and that she is one oh, of them God, i guess you're right yeah um which i guess maybe that's why she was destined to show up and then destined to use the spear of destiny and blah blah blah. but it's also like the idea that like ray palmer doesn't matter <laughs> like, yes. like yeah i guess ray's right in that he dies quote unquote on arrow and it doesn't completely disrupt the world but like he matters because like something that he creates goes on to be something else like his technology even though it's his brother and like way down the line in season one you know when they go to the future and it's jill state who's like the descendant or whatever of of his brother even though it's his brother it's still something yeah yeah, it's something that he created is still important like his dwarf star technology and all this stuff it still matters to the world it doesn't matter in the sense that like if we pluck him out of the timeline and he doesn't exist the whole world is different but you know as we learn throughout the show like time has a way of course correcting yeah so the idea that any one person matters so much to the timeline that you cannot remove them or else everything is screwed like that is weird it's almost like the way i always thought of it of like if you're reading the history book Mm -hmm. like he's uh, ray palmer is done being mentioned like he's already done all the important things i guess he was he was supposed to do uh, which then just frees him up to do more crazy shit with with these guys for the next couple right. of years. You know, like it, it's it's that kind of idea. I mean, yeah, like in in today's terms, like consider like we get an Elon Musk reference in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, consider like whether if you removed someone like Musk or if you remove someone like Jeff Bezos or any other tech billionaire, if you but remove who would them, monetize Twitter, Trisha? Well, who would? I would get to keep my blue check for less than eight dollars a month. But um, <laughs> you know, you if you remove any of these one any of these people from the timeline right now, do they cease to matter to history? And I don't think that that's true because the thing that they created, like the creation of Facebook happened already. If you removed him from before that happened. They will always be connected to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then that, that makes sense to me. Um, I, you can definitely tell me that, that Snart and, and Rory don't matter. That's fine. They're criminals. But like, (laughs) like what are they doing that like contributes to society in a massive way? But you know, if you took any of them out from before they became who they are, yeah, that disrupts it. But if you take any of them out now, like, yeah, taking Sarah out now doesn't matter. But if you take Sarah out from before she gets on the Queen's Gambit, how does that massively change everyone's lives? Oh, it changes everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. I do like the, the, the other note I had where I'm like, Paragon of Destiny is 
you know, they're in the cargo bay after getting this news. It, it's Ray and the thieves and Sarah. And mm-hmm. Sarah is the one that's like, you know, if if we can change the world, don't you think we can change our own fate? And I'm like, fucking paragon of destiny. Right. There she is. Exactly. You know? like, exactly. I like that she's still, you know, she's supposed to be this broken, messed up person at this point. And she definitely is. Like, there are points throughout this first season where she really wrestles with the fact that she's a killer. Um, mm-hmm. And and the fact that she can't control it right now, um, but at the same time, like she's hopeful still, yes. which I really like. She's just such an interesting character. They do such a good job with this character on the show. I, right from I the couldn't beginning. agree more. And and the various shades that she gets to play throughout mm-hmm. too, where it's just like from from this to bloodlust to book club, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, book club. What else do we have to talk about here? Oh, one thing that like I love, and I remember watching the first time was mm-hmm. like by by minute 10 or whatever of of the second episode mm-hmm. firestorm is absorbing a nuclear a blast nuke. before the goddamn credits like this show is delivering you know it really is and can you imagine how useful those powers or powers would be like especially during the cold war <laughs> no kidding yeah. that that was a very important time to to be at a terrorist arms bazaar you know yeah. and this is before they find out they can transmute things oh i forgot about that i think that's too. in the invasion crossover that they finally do it yeah 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 they, they turned the bomb into water right? yeah so instead yeah, they're just cool. gonna absorb the entire nuclear the nuclear part of the blast obviously the concussive blast still happens but um yeah how useful would that be like they they were gone by the time they had to go to chernobyl but they would have been very useful i was gonna say uh, could use them now honestly i feel <laughs> a lot better with firestorm up in the air but just able to absorb the nukes a big note i have for for episode two here episode two sounded weird um but for part two here is um i like that they're instantly kind of like playing with dynamics and pairing people up and like well you know ship watch i loved seeing ray and the thieves together especially snart yeah exactly they're and they it's almost like they're sort of pairing off the the thieves with different people right yes so like they're with ray a little bit they're with sarah a little bit they're with stein a little bit like it's it's more like because these other characters we know very well and also they're good guys for the most part. It's mm-hmm. fun to see how they react to being around bad guys. They are, you know, on the the far side of this personality spectrum. If you put Ray on the good guy totally. side and them on the bad guy side, you know, so you can't just put Sarah with everyone and see how they react. Like you do need to put like really different people together and see how they react to different people and then you can see what makes all these characters so interesting you know what makes ray interesting even though he's a boy scout what makes stein interesting even though he's you know the old fart uh you know what makes sarah Mm -hmm. interesting as the assassin as this person who's you know in a morally gray area um and i think it it works very well to, to do this mixing and matching same way putting Sarah with Stein and Jax is really fun, too, where it's just like we just get someone who's a little more immature, a little more impulsive, mm-hmm. uh, but also just as, as you know, street smut, uh, just <laughs> as good in the field as, as anyone possibly could be. Like, it's really fun. It is really fun. And, and that's also that dynamic is really great um, in the episode I talked about earlier, the one from the 50s, you know, which, of course, we'll talk about when we mm-hmm. get there, but we don't know when we're going to get there. So um, <laughs> it could be, years. you know, it's it's also fun to put them together because they are also the three people with the most diverse backgrounds. Yeah, you know, it's, it's Stein yeah. as the as the relatively affluent smart white guy older guy mm-hmm. uh and he's straight in the show even though victor garber is not um 
And then you have, you know, Jax as like the young kid, but he's also a young black kid. And then you have Sarah as sort of like in between their ages. And, um, you know, she's an assassin. She's a little more morally gray and she's gay and or bisexual. Mm -hmm. And so you get like, you know, the three of them sitting at the table and Stein talking about how great and wonderful the 50s are. And then, you know, you get Jax going, yeah, unless you're not white. And Sarah goes, yeah, or not straight. Right. I love that. Yes. Being able to put them together and like show how these, these three disparate people react differently to situations is always fun. Not just because of like their moral center, which is more of what happens with all the other characters, but also because of their backgrounds. Um, is super mm-hmm. fun. A little bit of checking Stein's privilege early on here. Too. Right. And, you know, putting Stein in the situation with these two younger people with, you know, fewer inhibitions, I guess, especially putting him with Sarah um, in the situation with his younger self is really fun because he can't control her and that gets under his skin, right? Yes, that and and, and I a I like kind of the ego trip that that he mm-hmm. he kind of learns from in this episode. Um I love the emotional stuff. The the whole Carissa stuff is fun. And then just to see like, you know, he is he is the full of himself old fart, but he's in the field right now with with Jax who is very personable and Sarah who can get anything done. And I think that's nice to early on to show like, no, 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 you're, you're nothing in the field, you know, useful wise compared to these two. Right. And Sarah, who also flirts with everyone. And it's very funny to see her doing that with like the younger version of that character. Um, yes, it's, it's, awesome. it's also like Stein wanting to go on this adventure in order to like have an adventure um, in his age. And then the, his first thing is like, protecting his idea of who he was when he was 25 and then like yes, apparently seeing... forgetting who he's gonna go meet you know right. that was the part for me where i'm like you remember what you were right but also like don't we all have different ideas of who we were when we were younger like you know thinking about myself as a teenager mm. like do i want to ever go back and meet that version of myself for real because like i'm pretty sure i would hate myself as a teenager yeah no i'd rather not personally you know and we do eventually meet sarah as a teenager um and <laughs> but it's still the same actor uh it's you know so we get we get this interesting version of him and and this uh i like that his thing is like oh wow i hate myself at 25 and i am not that different now (laughs) (laughs) yeah just to just to kind of wrap that up i Mm -hmm. i love um the way that that rip tries to wrap up the martin storyline later of like you know Right. Um, he, you know, things go badly and obviously they lose Carter and it's like not a good day, but he does, you know, bring Martin back to watch Martin meeting Carissa, Carissa, yes, Carissa, <laughs> Carissa, Carissa for the first time. And that whole like timelines change, people don't. And mm-hmm. I, I love that, that for him. And just that, like, you know, I feel like going forward, obviously they'll, they'll play it up a lot but like he is more of a team player going forward after this this first little adventure and that's fun yeah and and then they, they set him back in the beginning of season two and and but then he realizes like the mistake in doing that um yes so i think that the sort of the capper of this this two-parter of of this kind of conversation that we're going to have is this climactic fight at the end um which had mm-hmm. me thinking about you know about this idea of the mythology of vandal savage and the hawk people um okay and this whole idea that like, so they're in reincarnated. They reincarnate however many times over 4,000 years, whatever. Vandal Savage has a distinct advantage on them in that he doesn't die. No, he's he's got all of this information all the time. Yeah. So he has so much information. He has all of these memories. He has like this 
you know, this 4,000 year plan um, for how he's going to eventually take over the world and all the time to do it. But also he has this consistency of life so that he can do what he does in this episode and start amassing the items that can kill him. That's the killer too, which I love. Like he's got this, these years in between of meeting them where, where he gets to go like, Oh, I got close. Oh, they found a dagger this time. All right. I'll take that. You know, like that, that mm-hmm. is so interesting to me. They are always 18,000 steps behind. Right. They have to keep relearning yes. the rules of how to kill him. You know, like who knows if they previously ever knew that it had to be whoever owned the item that uses it to kill him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so who knows how much they they maintained throughout, you know, that time period. And then they lose it all. And then, you know, eventually they get their past life memories back. But how much can you really recall from 4,000 years of memory um, right. when you're not like remembering specific things that happen over and over? You're just getting it all at once, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that your head wouldn't explode. Right. Like, how do you sift through that? Yeah. It's just flashes. I mean, um, you know, the, the fact that Carter doesn't remember that that's their son, I think is really telling of the way that they're able to access their memories and, and really understand who they were in the past. That's a good point too. It's like, I always kind of thought of it as like, it's very much an emotional memory. Like Mm -hmm. he remembers his love for her. Therefore he loves her. She does not. Therefore she doesn't yet. But like Mm -hmm. once that feeling comes back, like maybe that, that makes them a little bit more, the whole, like that's the, where the memory comes from almost. Right, exactly. It's it's what can we access right now versus like, yeah. do we have this Rolodex of memories that we can just call up whenever we want? <laughs> Rolodex like, is a great way to put it, yes. They're not learning things the way that Savage is learning throughout his life. They're just getting all the information at once, like a big drop. And then it's like, figure it out yourself. Yeah, exactly. So he has such an advantage over them. And the fact that they apparently have never been working with anyone else over the course of history to like maintain some record of what works. Yeah, where the fuck was the Justice Society for this? You know, like they <laughs> exactly. Could have been helpful forty years ago or whatever. <laughs> Maybe they just didn't quite correspond with their reincarnations properly. Uh, possibly. Yeah, I've they had were kids I've, then. I've always had so many questions about these reincarnations and how they work. Like, do they not reincarnate until both of them are dead, or are there are they ever like weirdly skewed in an age gap? Oh, is it is it a Benfold's luckiest situation? Yeah, right. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I love that you know what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, did he ever find them as kids and kill the like Muppet Babies versions of them? You know, like I I I don't know. How would he know? How Although, would I he guess know? he get, he gets those weird headaches when they're close, doesn't he? So, Which maybe. is also such an advantage that he has. So no much. shit that he's got like Hawkdar. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> he has so much advantage. And the, the idea that he can like coordinate with his past lives for some reason, <laughs> which is his ultimate plan later. Um, How know. that doesn't fuck up the timeline, I will never know. Oh, but. who knows? The Vandal Savage of it all. I just He's got such an advantage over them in this whole fight. And of course, they're going to need a team in order to help them take him down. But, you know, up until this point, I think this really... What do you think about the the choice to kill Carter? I think it's I think it's surprising and, and gives a nice kind of emotional drive to the things. I always kind of liked that move. And I never cared for the actor. So <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. I think he probably would have grown on us the same way that, you know, everybody else does. But sure. yeah, I, I think it was a good move in the sense that, like, in the same way that I think getting rid of Rip and the show was a good move, it's like you have to get rid of the person who knows what's going on. Yeah, that's And fair. like, you know, cut the cord and really, you know, put Kendra in the situation where now she's, she knows she has this goal 
and she's trying to figure out her memories without the person who can just give her the answer. Mm-hmm. And you she's know. got some of it still, but but again, like we're saying, like how much can she actually access? Right. Right, now? and it it also you know it allows her to establish this relationship with with Ray, and you know get into the idea of like what can you do when you are destined to be with someone? Yeah. Like what yeah. does that? I, I love that. Yeah. I love the stickiness that they get to explore with that their Ray stuff later on. In yeah, like that that, that storyline, that couple is you know is really interesting throughout yeah. that part of the, the season maybe maybe we we um put a, a thumb on the scale when we roll one of those episodes mm-hmm. in the future maybe we just decide that that's a two-parter and we we cover the 50s stuff like all at once because that is that is such good stuff. i was gonna suggest that we have to do it that way because they get yeah, trapped cool. and then we're just gonna like leave it as them getting trapped if it ends on a cliffhanger right. or, I think we, or, we, the or we jump in in the second part and it's like uh well we right. kind of need to previously talk about seven years yeah. ago when we were talking about this episode there was there were bird people and yeah exactly <laughs> But remember different the bird, bird people? people. Anyway. Do you yeah. remember the bird people? But but we end with everybody on the bridge and, you know, Mick Savage has my attention. For whatever reason, they all decide to stay and, you know, four Carter. So, Captain, where to next? The four Carter thing is funny to me only because I don't buy that Mick or Snart care. Yeah, exactly. I do like that it, like the four Carter chant kind of happens in waves. And I don't remember who does it first. But I like, don't remember either. Yeah, not everybody has to care about this as much. It's okay, you know? Right. Like, like Ray is always going to be like, yes, we must do the gallant thing. Um, right. But, like, is anyone else? <laughs> yeah, at least Snart has the, like, I didn't know Carter from Adam, but you take out one of my crew, you're going to pay the price. I'm like, I can kind of buy that in, like, the, the pirate's code of him. Yeah. You know? Snart is the the noble thief, right? He's, yeah, like, exactly. he has he has a code um, mm-hmm. in as much as he, you know, can for someone he who steals stuff. Um, whereas Mick is more the wild when, card. when needed. You know? Yeah. Whereas Mick is more of the wild card, you know. But then Arthur Darville looks at the camera and the wave rider flies off and uh, here we go. You here know? we go. We are getting into the show and now we will skip many episodes in the future. Yes. <laughs> now we get to do the fun part. Now we get to do all the the, the like things that we've talked about for the past Yes, now we do. In no particular order. Uh, how about we start with uh, MVL, Most Valuable Legend? Do you, do you have a vote for the, Ooh, these most, episodes? Most Valuable Legend. I'm going to say Stein. Ooh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, Stein we had need a lot. Literally, to do. two of them to get through. Right, we needed two of them to get through the whole thing. We learned a lot about him and his past, um, and he was also very useful out in the field several times. That's, mm-hmm. So that's that's my vote. I'm gonna say Stein. Okay, cool. I like that. Just to pick somebody else, I think I'm gonna go with Snart because like he gets us kind of into the house later on, and it's really Ray that fucks all that up. <laughs> Um, but ultimately he gets us the dagger and that's how we learned that, you know, more bullshit about Savage, but, but he gets us to that point at least. So I think the vote is definitely not Ray, not Ray (laughs) Mick's almost helpful, but then he gets, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk about the ship log, meaning the relationships on the show. There aren't really a ton in this episode. Like this is the main one. Yeah. Right. There's, there's obviously the Hawk people, but then that's like blown to pieces when he dies <laughs> yeah but this is the first episode so there we're really not establishing any long-term relationships yet no I, agreed i guess it's more about the kind of inter-team relationships and we talked about that a lot of, of how how they're playing with different different team-ups of these people so right. far right this is you know yeah. this is the meetup of of sarah and snart yeah and this is also the meeting of, of of ray and and kendra yeah okay early days uh, I, for both of them yeah, I guess that, that'll get more interesting as we go on. Um, 
legendary moment, which is going to be like, what what was the coolest moment for you? Like watching this show, it can be a relationship. It can be any any part of the show. Um, for me, I I distinctly remember watching the nuke go off and that happening and and just kind of like the culmination of that fight scene being a nuclear weapon that this team can already deal with i thought was very cool uh so my vote is is firestorm absorbing the nuke my vote is going to be the bar fight you know it's Ah. not like it's not like a big epic moment or anything but as we talked about like it is this fun moment of almost camaraderie between these characters and um and it's very fun and and flirty and and neat i like it it's just it's neat legendary all right so one of the things we did not talk about this i don't think in episode zero um but we are going to introduce a game that we're going to play with (laughs) each other and also with the audience Um, this whole podcast is games it's so fun this whole podcast (laughs) is games honestly but but this one is an actual game um it is bingo we're going to do dc's legends of tomorrow bingo because there are so many weird things that happen throughout the show and happen more than once um, yes. That it, and because we're jumping around so much, we know we're not going to get to these things in the order that they were like prescribed, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to see who can fill out their their bingo row first. So we each have our own bingo card, um, and we're going to have one for the audience. You'll be able to see them on our socials media. And whoever fills out first, we're going to be able to pick the next episode rather than rolling the dice. Um, and that includes the audience being able to pick an episode for us. So. Like some of the the things that we're going to be looking out for, um, what are like, you know, Sarah seduction, like Sarah seduces a random person in history. <laughs> um, you know, one of the the Arrow, other Arrowverse characters popping up. So like someone from Supergirl, someone from Arrow, someone from Flash. Um, I put in Wave Rider Weddings, I know. Um, you know, <laughs> Bebo is our is our free space. Um, yeah, that was my that was my call, <laughs> and I apologize in advance if we don't get to Bebo for like you know months from now. But I I felt like at least we should all have the same free space, and Bebo felt like a good shot. But if Bebo, I'm wrong, if we're gonna put me. something as our free space, Bebo I think is good because he is the Easter egg of Legends yes. of Tomorrow, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so we have, you know, one of them turns into a monster. They put on their, their super suits, which we could hit very quickly if we get another early episode or if we're jumping mm-hmm. around in the later ones and they don't have them on for a long time. That could be fun. You know, yeah. Rebecca Silver novels, a crossover, or they're just mentioning a crossover outside of being in a crossover, which I always found very funny. Um, I always you know, love that. Things like that. So it's it should be fun. It should be interesting. It should cover things from every season. So we will see who wins and i am hoping that it's me because i, I want to win <laughs> uh game on we'll see what happens um the other game that we're going to be playing that we'll, really we're building a game here as we go we are and um this goes back to what i was saying earlier where like i get aesthetically obsessed with mm-hmm. uh shows and it's, it's probably what I leads think... me to my day job right now go ahead i think this is the first idea that we had for the show so for like too. some fun thing after the idea the of rolling after yeah like dice. after the idea of the dice which came in with the concept it was this idea of like what could we do at the end of the episode and this is the thing yes. we came up with one of the most endearing things about the entire show for me is like all these team building exercises mm-hmm. that ray tries to do and one of them is like he took the time to i assume draw and write and and fabricate all of the cards for cards to save the timeline so yep. i'm like I want more than anything to have a box on my shelf of cards to save the timeline that I know is like a real game that we could like I could take off and play with a bunch of nerds one day. So like as we go through these episodes, we're both going to write down no no specific assignment of 
prompts or questions, but we're both going to write down questions and prompts that come to us and slowly build up a, a deck of cards to save the timeline cards. And, and hopefully you get to play it one day with maybe some of our always hold on to brethren, you know, something like that. Um, but for, for this episode, if you don't mind me starting here. Go ahead. Let me read you some of my questions or situations here. One, you're trapped in the 1970s and decide to pass yourself off as tech entrepreneur blank. Okay. To kill Vandal Savage, you will need the dagger that was once blank. Uh, do you have any prompts, questions? Yeah, I mean, so like my my initial like situation um, uh, prompt is your enemy is about to sell off a nuclear bomb to the highest bidder. You blank. Oh, I love that. Okay, cool. And now like some answers or whatever cards. Um, I've got <laughs> one is a, a prop thing that always bugs me. But my first one is the Maltese Falcon in ancient Egypt. Did you notice in the ancient <laughs> Egypt altar that the fucking Maltese Falcon is sitting there like not. front and center? God, it bugs the shit out of me. It just takes me out completely. But it's it's a it's an Easter egg, but it's there. My other one was uh, the evil dictator Perdegaton. <laughs> And quote, ditto the arsonist, which is the funniest thing that Martin Stein says throughout these first two episodes. <laughs> what do you got? Um, I think the only solution prompt that I have is, again, related to the bar fight, which is uh, start a bar fight to Captain Antoniel. Perfect. We're, we're off on our way to our deck. We are. Now. And we will, as with all things, get better as time goes on. Yes. And also, I, I always like feel free to like rewrite each other, too, as we go. You know? <laughs> but yeah, who knows what the end game of this will be besides like an mm. actual physical thing. But um, would love to hopefully play this a day. Um, hey, we should yeah. roll dice soon. We and should. in order to do that, why don't you open... The, the the time vault that I sent you. Oh, okay. So I have a time vault from the uh, Time Masters of FedEx. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to open it. So we're going to see what's in it. I, I have honestly no idea we're doing this live. The, right yeah, now. there's a couple little goodies in here, but I just wanted to do like a, ah, before we get going. There's a couple, so there's a thing. card, first of all, with <laughs> pearls on the back. You, yeah, you can skip the, the I'm just card. I'm pulling out all the little packages. Do you want me to like look at all the packages or just like certain ones? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll cut this down. Okay, so this is the heaviest one. It's small. I'm going to give you paper rustling noises. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. You I have, love it so much. Do, oh, God. Do you have any idea what this is? <laughs> yes. Time courier. It is a time courier. Oh God, God bless the internet. Like someone on Reddit years ago found like I think I own a time courier, and it's this like weird, ugly ass watch it's that is so for ugly. sale on Amazon. But it's like it's literally what they use for the time couriers, uh, and oh my it God. like has the little row of lights. We'll we'll post this with this episode. But I bought one we for myself. Totally they this. are. They are like $12 or something on Amazon. So anyone listening that doesn't have a time carrier, please get one. Look, I, I'll, I'll post exactly That's what amazing. it is. That's amazing. Especially because but, at um, some point, you and I are definitely going to be Ava and Gary for Halloween. I know, right? <laughs> if we ever get to go, like, please someone do an Arrowverse convention because we will go in full garb full and do it up one day. Yeah. Um, but I was like, if I have this stupid little thing, you should have one of these too. Awesome. No, I love it. I love it so much. I have to make it smaller because I have small wrists, but. That's fine. All right. It's also like, it's hideous. You will never, ever wear this. No, well, especially because I have a watch, but. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Other small package. Okay. This is just a dumb thing. Yay. It's Cuddle Me Bebo. It's a little Bebo standy. I will put him on my desk next to my lowest figures. Perfect. 
It is perfect. I love it. I, love I did my best to cut out within the lines, but there you go. Close enough. Um, here's here's the big one. Here's the one this, that's dice related. This is the dice that I've related wanted to one. do from the minute I, I thought of this. All right. So because we're going to be rolling dice at the end of every episode, mm-hmm. making more people. We will need a. Oh my god! It's a <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow little dice tray. Oh my god, I love it so much. So there you go. Our 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 custom always hold on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow. That's amazing. Dice trays, we dice caddies, whatever the fuck Custom dice called. trays. I what's so funny? Okay, I have to talk about this real quick. Please. I had to buy new dice for this show. <laughs> I am a D&D player. I haven't played in a while because I moved and I lost my group, but um, I'm a D&D player. I had so many dice. I had a bag full of like 8 or 9 sets of dice. And I lost it. I was going to say, just like of all different types of all different di- types of dice. I had like I had a set years. that was okay. like solid metal, which I was going to use because I like them. They're just they're ridiculous, and like the the D twenty is normal size, but as you get to ones with smaller sides, they get larger. So I had all these dice, and I loved them, and I played all the time with them. And then uh, a few months ago, my cat decided to just pee on all of my dice. <laughs> So I had to throw them out because you can't get cat pee out of anything. Yeah. So I had to go buy brand new dice. And he also peed on my dice tray. So I was going to buy a dice tray, but I hadn't done it yet. And now I have a dice tray. I'm so glad you didn't. I'm so glad I didn't too. (laughs) I'm going to snap this thing together before we. Yeah. Well, well, in honor, I mean, in honor of it, I, I, I think you should be with your new dice. My new dice. I think you should be the one to roll. I I should be clear. I am not a cool nerd who's played D&D before. So I bought my first set of dice for this. And they're kind of cheap, but but I like them fine. But um but I I'd love I've been playing with this dice tray since I got it like 3 weeks ago. So I, I would it. love for you to get your I first roll. I love our branded dice tray. It's so cool. And while you're snapping it together, I am going to pull up the episode guide okay. so that I can very quickly tell you exactly which, which episode, episode we're, we're doing next yeah so give me two seconds here by the way if you ever want to do a uh, arrowverse and or dc comics D game with the other hosts i will happily dm nothing would please me more i don't even know how to do that but <laughs> yes please you would have to take like full reins on that one but i, I, I will do whatever support or prompts or art you need to I help i think it would be very fun i mean we could just create there's probably a superhero or a dc module already for D or pathfinder but um okay are you ready yes i am all right go ahead. so we're gonna start roll. i'm gonna start by rolling the season i've got my d8 ready i'm gonna roll the season okay, obviously great. if it's eight we'll skip it and do another one yes it is six do we want to go all the way six. to six i i'm fine with it i all love right. season six we're jumping from season one to season six <laughs> and it is episode this is so exciting Five. Season six, episode, episode five. five. One of my all-time ah. favorites. We are watching The Satanist Apprentice. We've uh, got some great... Amazing. Oh, my God. Is this the one with the animated stuff? This is the animated stuff, the Beauty and the Beast <laughs> stuff, the, the, the painting of Crowley and Constantine. I fucking love this episode. We are right, we're doing a right giant, giant jump. I am sorry that our first giant jump is not more... Sarah, Ava. That's okay. This episode is very weird. It's very fun. Yeah. Sorry. I said Sarah, Ava. I know it's Ava Lance. I know what I, I like. I, I do have some qualifications. It is Ava Lance. Yes. Co-hosting this show. And they do um, on the show refer to them as Ava Lance a couple of times. I'm so excited. That's such a great first role. I'm glad you're so excited to jump so far into the future. We're jumping to nearly <laughs> the end of the show. I know. I know. 
but that's why we're doing this. So that we it can is. Get it's going to be flavors at once. It's going to be great. Cool. Cool. Well, shit. I'm so excited for this next episode coming up. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. This has been months of us talking about it, and, and we're finally doing it, man. We're finally doing it. Yay. Go team. All right. Well, I, I guess we'll, we'll see you in the temporal zone. But for Always Hold On to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, I've been Matt Truex. I've been Trisha Ennis. We'll see you next time on the podcast, but please don't call us podcasters. We're legends. Always Hold On to DC's Legends of Tomorrow is produced by Zach Moore as part of the Always Hold On to podcast family. Listen to Zach's other great podcasts wherever you're hearing this and check out even more podcast action on the Always Hold On to Smallville Patreon page. You can find more Legends goodness on social at Legends of Always and feel free to send us an email at legendsofalways at gmail.com. Hashtag save a hot to clot and rate and review us in app. Please do that. Please, 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 you beautiful nerd you. Thanks for listening. We did one. We did one.